Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Miller and Condon on a Wednesday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. Wherever you're listening, we appreciate that you are and hope you can stick with us for the next couple of hours as we talk sports, in one case, listen to sports talk with the, uh, the Cyclones coach here, Matt Campbell, coming up. Here's the BMW Des Moines guest list. Here's the plan for today. Fingers crossed we can facilitate this and pull this off. <laughs> uh, we're going to do our best to hear from Matt Campbell, who is scheduled uh, to take the podium at 1035 in Dallas uh, for just outside of Dallas for Big 12 Media Days. He's up first as far as the coaches. 10.35 is when he is scheduled. We will um, work the break so we are able to get to him in time, if indeed we're able to do it. So we hope to, and we're going to do our darndest to do just that. Matt Campbell coming up from Dallas. We will hear the questions, hear the answers from Big 12 Media Days. It's Wednesday. That means at 11.05, David Kaplan is going to be here. We will check in with Cappy on his thoughts at the midway point of the season. Positive for the White Sox. On the other side of town, not so much. But what the next couple of weeks could look like in the Windy City as far as uh, players leaving the Cubs and maybe joining the White Sox. Not necessarily connected, but there's a potential. Uh, as uh, Craig Kimbrell is one of the guys that... Um or the White Sox, rather, one of the teams that are at least whispered uh, that he might be uh, heading to. Uh, there's a lot of teams on that list. I don't want to sound like it's just exclusive that he's going there. So we will talk to Cappy uh, about the two baseball teams, about the football team as well in Chicago at 11.05. And then with, well, I was going to say tomorrow. I guess it technically is tomorrow because I think 1 o'clock in the morning, our time, the British Open gets underway on the Golf Channel. You may still be up to see the mm-hmm. early tee shots from... 12.30, I think, our time? 12.30 or 1, I whatever. Uh, yeah. It's going to be... I won't see it, um, but certainly wouldn't... Uh, you know, as a lot of people will when they wake up, turn on the TV and watch a little British Open golf, but Matt Rudy will join us, and we will opine on that. All-Star Game goes to the American League for the ninth straight time. Told you. You did. Uh, you were all over it. Um, it was okay, the game itself. It was like I could listen to Joe Buck read a phone book. I could. I know that there was a lot of blowback uh, with the, the live mics. You know, and the guy's in the batter's box and he's getting ready to face an all star pitcher. What's coming? That type of thing. And um, Chris Bryant asked, you know, about the, the, the trade rumors that are out there. He would have got, Buck I'm referring to, would have got criticized whether he did ask or if he didn't ask. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, oh, but he's a Cardinal. Yeah. Eh, come he's, on. He's a Cub fan grow he up. Is. He's the best broadcaster in the world right now, in my opinion. Everybody has different opinions on that. I think he's as good as there is. After all, he's Fox's lead broadcaster for the NFL and Major League Baseball. That says something. Yes, it does. Yeah, I saw the same thing. I saw Cub fans upset about it. It's the story. It Sorry. is. It's Chris Bryant, the story is not about a nice bounce back season. It's going to get louder here as we go yes. closer to the end of July. Too. And to have him in that spot and to ask him. And do you understand the other thing in the criticism that I saw come in Buck's way? How difficult that is to 
call a game and do a live interview in the middle of a, of a right. bat. <laughs> right. That is, I mean, two completely yeah. different avenues of what you're doing, mm-hmm. trying to integrate it, try to keep it inter- interesting and entertaining, all while a baseball game's happening. And you know, you can't just be having a regular conversation with guy. It's obviously a different mm-hmm. kind of conversation. Just all those different parts that go into it, that's as difficult in a difficulty scale of calling sports. That's got to be at the top of the list, right? No, it'd be difficult, no doubt about it. I, I thought it was great that, um, you know, at the end of the Magic conversation with Roberts and Cash, you thanked them for going back to last October. Thank you for the access that you gave us during the World Series. I Look, he's just a pro. He's just a pro at the end of the day, and He's terrific. Look at the two partners he works with, John Smoltz and Troy Aikman. Uh, I, I'm thoroughly entertained by him, as I was by the game last night. Otani did what he did uh, on the pitcher's mound in the batter's box. It was not his best couple of days. If you go back to the home run derby the day before, he was the heavy favorite to win that. Got bounced in the first round as Soto picked him off. Uh, 0 for 2. Trent, it was when they announced Vladimir Guerrero as the MVP of the game, I was you know, that's my squad, as, yeah. as you know, right? I kind of, My first thought was, really? And then I started thinking, and I pulled up the box score. Well, if not him, who? Right. I mean, you have to pick somebody. There, This was a year that really nobody, I mean, his, his home run went a mile. It did. Um, and that was the highlight of the game. And the fact that Tatis happened to be the yes. guy, his good friend, uh, Tatis, Fernando Tatis Jr., happened to be mic'd up at the time, and they showed his reaction as he kind of cringed as it went over his head. Uh, but the game was good, and the American League won yet again, and Denver did a nice job. I was entertained. Same thing. I hated the uniforms. Yeah. Get back to normal. Right. Please. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Wear, wear your, you know, if you're, if you're, no, just wear your team's uniform. Yes. You want to do that for the home run derby? Sure. Right. Slow pitch softball game, go right. for it. Here, you wear, wear your, your uniform. team's uniform. That's what you do. Yeah, and that's what they did for years. And you go back to some of the old pictures that popped up on Twitter. From the 60s, 70s, 80s, um, they're wearing their old uniforms. They're mm-hmm. wearing their home uniforms, their road uniforms, whatever the case may be. And seeing the guys in the dugout, uh, you know, sitting side by side in all the different uniforms that were represented. I, I like that. I, I'm guessing we'll go back to that here soon. As we may be going back to a whole bunch of different things when it comes to baseball. Rob Manfred yesterday made some news uh, regarding some of the tweaks that were put in last year, carried over to this year. and what that may mean for next year and it it sounds as though the folks that do not like what do they call it the magic runner at second base and extra innings it seems like you're going to get your wish seven inning double headers seem like they are going to be uh, a a thing of the past as we get to next year Uh, what else did he say Uh, outlawing the shift in baseball is potentially on the table which is huge for offense, it is. Yeah. I like the fact that what they're doing down in the minor leagues right now, you can you can employ the shift, but everybody that participates, they have to have their feet on the dirt. Mm-hmm. You can't be in the outfield, which I like that part. Now, if you want to go back and you know eliminate it entirely, I would rather have the minor league rule in place. But it's kind of like you know what's next? We're going to take blitzing out of football. <laughs> It's a strategy. So help me out here. I'm trying to imagine exactly the way the rule is written and what would be different with Major League Baseball. So the way it is in the minors, you have to have a foot on, on the infield dirt. dirt. Yep. And if you have turf, the line that they have mm-hmm. there, 
You have to have at least a foot there. But you can have a lefty's up. You can have your shortstop over on the opposite side of mm-hmm. second base on the first base side of it. Right. And that's okay. But they both have to, again, have that foot in the dirt. Okay. And is what Manfred is proposing that shifts completely go away and on top of it you have to keep your foot in the dirt? Or is it something similar to what I have not seen the particulars? He just talked about doing away with the shift that they're going to study that. Now, if there was more for that, I didn't read that. Mm -hmm. I didn't see the press conference live. I just saw. Um, he was concerned about the fact that the Houston Astros took the took the uh, day couple of days off. Right? Mm-hmm. They decided they're not going to participate. And you know what? If that's the case, I like the what how the NHL has implemented or implemented a rule regarding the All Star Game. Look, the All Star Game was um, was bargained into the players' agreement that they, it's mandatory that they participate. So in the NHL, if you're named to an uh, to the All Star Game and you don't want to go. The first game that your team plays after the All Star game, you can't play. Oh, really? You, yeah, you're 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 um, you're on the bench or in the press box for one game. So the the NHL season's half as long as Major League Baseball. If the Astros don't want to go, if Altuve wants to come up with an excuse he doesn't want to play, I'll just use him. Mm-hmm. Um, then the two games going immediately following the All Star break, you don't get to play. If you're going to take the weekend off, if you're not going to live up to the uh, agreement. Um, the bargained agreement, I might add, um, then, then you've got to pay a price. And Houston, they all took. Now, it's very difficult. Was it Correa's wife who's pregnant and he, he wanted to accompany her to the dock? How can you say no to that? Right. Yeah. You know, whether it's legit or whether it's not, when you play that card mm-hmm. and you're on the road as much as you are as a Major League Baseball player, you know, you want to take your wife to the, <laughs> to the doctor, eh, you're probably going to get, the, you're going to get your pass stamped, mm-hmm. I would hope. But if you're just coming up with an excuse... That, and that's what a lot of them oh, were. Of course They was. were just excuses. And, you know, I feel for Michael Brantley. He wasn't there during this. Right. And so you have to go... You're a veteran. you got to go answer questions for all your teammates mm-hmm. that you weren't a part of the cheating scandal. You weren't there for right. it. Yeah. So I get that. Same thing with Presley. He wasn't there for it. Correa, Altuve, we know those dudes mm-hmm. were there and heavily involved sure. in it, regardless of what... Well, and we saw this this up. past weekend when uh, when Altuve hit the walk off home run and they ripped his jersey off. Yeah. But there's no tattoo there, yeah. and that was the excuse when he was mic'd up. And that's uh, and he was embarrassed by the tattoo. Remember that? that yeah, that was part the story. Yeah. He well, was embarrassed by the tattoo. And what was the other thing? He was holding. No, his... he's embarrassed by the tattoo, and he's um, was a very private person. He didn't want to be right, seen right. without his shirt on, yeah. whatever that was. And then they rip his shirt off. And then they rip his shirt off. Right before the All-Star break. Right. Uh-huh. And it was complete BS at the time. Uh, and it remains complete BS. And it was um, you know, personified this past weekend when he hit the walk-off. So, anyways. Um, One other thing for Manfred. I thought the seven-inning thing... It really doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me, too. The only thing it bothers is we know that baseball is so protective of their records. Sure. Right? I mean, no other sport seemingly holds their records uh, in the esteem that they do. And if there's a no-hitter, and we've seen a couple of them mm-hmm. in seven inning, it doesn't go in the books. And nor should it, in right. my opinion. Because it's not a nine-inning game. It's not a nine-inning game. But you get the games in. It makes sense. I like it, Trent. How taxing it is. Yeah. I'm fine with it. I've long maintained you are a big fan of the extra inning. Role. I am the magic runner. I want to see the ghost runner come out in the 11th inning or the and 12th. And if that's going to be the compromise, Trent, <laughs> if they're going to throw it out entirely, and I get it, there's there's more people on 
on the opposite side of the debate than my side mm-hmm. with the magic runner on in the 10th inning. If you want to keep it in, but if you want to do, you want to play the 10th and the 11th with the, with the way you played the first nine. That's how I would argue. I, I can see that. I could see that passing a yeah. compromise because I don't want these games to go on and on and on. I do. I know because they happen for my night. team. Twice a year, right? And those nights the, are fun. The They're next just day, different. the pitching, the, all the pitchers, the bullpen. If you're going into a series, look, it's if if we can keep it, if it's the eleventh inning, I'm good. That way, you get you get a little bit, I get a little mm-hmm. bit. The compromise, and that's what collective bargaining agreements are about. We'll see how how it goes. And speaking of that. Rob Manfred, he's made missteps. The, I think he's the worst commissioner of the four of the four major sports, and I always and the NHL's got a bad one. Yeah, but Gary Bettman's awful. Yeah, but I think Manfred has uh, taken the crown away from. <laughs> See, and that's the part I disagree with. I there's been plenty of missteps. Well, the trophy was. I mean, that's that egregious. Was, it was, but it was a comment. Mm-hmm. And what he's gone through, this is going to be, I think, the defining moment when we get to December first. And the labor agreement that's mm-hmm. going to be in place, mm-hmm. and there, are some hurt feelings after mm-hmm. last year. We saw how contentious it got. Yep. And the NHL's had two stoppages. One entire mm-hmm. season was wiped out under Gary Bettman. And just look back a year and a half ago, before everything hit the fan with the pandemic. Yeah. A lot of people believe that we were we had impending doom here for baseball. Uh-huh. That there was no way that these two sides would be able to come to an agreement if they're able to. If we do not have a stoppage this spring. Manfred gets a definitely a gold star for me mm-hmm. and the missteps and the stupid comments and some of the bad things he does. It's not completely erased. No, but that's fair. If he but does it's get erased this done. in a big way. If, if he does get this done, there's a lot of pressure on yes. a lot of pressure on Tony Clark, mm-hmm. on the player's perspective, and on Rab Manfred's uh, side, um, on the owner's perspective. You're right, Trent. We could be it could be Armageddon. Because many people believe that's we were we we're do. heading there regardless. And I would be I wouldn't be a bit surprised at all. If you know the, if this thing lingers into college basketball season, we get mm-hmm. to March and spring training. We're not we're not uh, descending upon Florida or uh, Arizona, and that's a little bit of a delay. I wouldn't be a bit surprised at all. If you are laying odds right now for this, will we start Major League Baseball's regular season in 2022 on the day whatever it is, April 1st? Will we start? Mm. What would you put the odds? No. No would be the favorite at minus one sixty. Oh, pretty significant. Okay, one forty. All right, one forty. About I think I'd be laying about the same kind of odds. Yeah, one forty. Now, two years ago, yeah, somebody. Yeah, it's and they would it have been minus two twenty five. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They thought it was it was heading that direction. Mm-hmm. So Manfred. All right, you made some missteps. Well, I think right. he made the fans happy today with those three announcements that he made yesterday. Mm-hmm. I, I know I'm in the minority when it comes to the Magic Runner. I think that there's a feeling that the seven-inning doubleheaders are okay, with the exception of the record books. The shift, I mean, it's strategy. You're taking strategy out of the game. Is it fair? Well, maybe not, but you know what? If you're a left-handed hitter, find a way to hit the ball where the third baseman should be playing because that's the whole side of the infield's wide open. Easy to say. I get it. More difficult to do. I know. I get it. Um, 
We'll see. All right, we are going to try and get Matt Campbell in here at 1035. We will cross our fingers and hope that that happens. I think we're going to pull this off. Trent I got it in the stream up right now. So Do you? We're good to go. Are you um, seeing anything or hearing anything? Yes, I saw Dusty Dvorak is there for ESPN. He was talking with, I think it was, what, Amish Ashad? Yeah. Who uh, was the, the lead kind of at the desk. So I saw those two guys talking. The audio is working, so... We're good on this avenue, and now we just wait. So I thought it was 10-15, though, that Iowa State Well, I, this is right from the iowastatecyclones.com okay. uh, and their um, little blurb on, on Big 12 Media Day. So I went to cyclones.com. says, Matt Campbell's talking at 10-35. We'll see. So it's it certainly a busy day for our friends to the west of us, uh, uh, the media members to the west, who were very early this morning typing out their story on Frank Solich retiring uh, from coaching. I guess it's a health issue with him at Ohio. Ohio, because when it first came out, I mean, here we are in the middle of July, and now you're going to announce that you're walking away uh, from the Bobcats, which seemingly timing-wise, eh, a little close to the season, but it's health. So my assumption is, is the folks at the Omaha World Herald and the Lincoln Journal Star were typing a story on Frank Solich, one of theirs for tying at the game at 60, 76 or 7. One of those two. Yeah, uh, He's in his mid to late 70s. But... That story very quickly fall, fell to the bottom half of the fold because Trev Alberts, former KXNO talk show host target, <laughs> has uh, accepted uh, and has been named the athletic director, uh, replacing Bill Moose over at the, at the, in Nebraska. So I think it makes sense. It makes sense. They they swung and missed at some of the top prospects they were after, including maybe Jamie Pollard. Yes, and that I don't was think there's definitely any doubt one of them. that they yes. kicked the tires. And I'm not saying that he got very far, mm-hmm. but he was a target. I was listening uh, last night, Pete Thamel talking a little bit about this, and it was before obviously the Albert. So news you was talked official. sports for five hours yesterday, yeah. and now you hadn't had enough, so you right. went and listened to some podcasts. All right, yeah, that's what you got to do. Teach their own. Yeah, yeah. just keep digging and digging, right. and looking for info. And Thamel certainly had it last night. And, and I thought he brought up a really good point and something. It wasn't just Pollard. They went after some big names. Mm-hmm. They swung and missed. Okay. So what do you do? You look at the candidates with ties, right? Yep. And as they were, he was talking about that, my thought went to, is this good? Is this what Nebraska needs? Yeah, they brought in an outsider. One of their own, you mean? Right. With where the programs are currently, with the money-making football, well, here's the question. Men's basketball Trev. on a different scale. Here's the one question that Trev Alvers, the first question, and I don't think he'll get it from Nebraska media. Mm-hmm. Can you fire Scott Frost? Yeah. Can you do it? And, and do you have it in you to fire him if necessary? Right. Because he's one of their own, too. Absolutely. Right. And there's going to be hurt feelings. Uh-huh. The reason that I think he'd be okay doing that is what he did with the football program at Nebraska Omaha. That was, he knew the negativity that was going to come. This isn't. This isn't disbanding baseball at Iowa State that has 100 people in the stands. Right. This is football. Although, you know what? If it's still, well, we'll never know. We'll never know. I, I think that it would have, it's still very difficult to play baseball in the most northern outpost in the Big 12. Right. In March. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it would have grown. But regardless of that, you have that. You knew it's going to hurt. You know you're going to get tons of blowback. You. Know that you're going to get those emails and phone calls from mm-hmm. boosters. I'm never donating to the program sure. today. And you're a program that needs money in Nebraska, Omaha. So I think he's he's already made a difficult choice. And I think he's going to be fine doing that. If Nebraska goes 4-8 and eight this year, 
Which isn't a stretch by I any mean, means. No, Husker, Husker Condon had him seven. What did they call you yesterday on seven, seven and five? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, yes. But you're, I, I think it's closer to the four and eight than the seven yeah. and five. But finish your point. I'm sorry. If that happens, you have to make a change, though, don't you? Mm-hmm. Four years in, you're yes. a new, you're a new athletic director. You don't want him to be there as basically a lame duck coach right. going into year number five. With a new quarterback. Right. And, and everything else as they try to replenish both the running back position and the wide receiver position. You have to pull that Band-Aid off. Mm-hmm. I think Alberts is the guy to do that. And bring in his own guy. Yeah. Now, who's his own guy? Tommy Frazier? <laughs> yeah, who knows? Who's opinionated yeah, himself? Good. That's, a, that's the second question. Uh, maybe after, uh, can you fire Scott Frost? Because they've gone so many different directions, right? And it just, it hasn't worked. Mm-hmm. It hasn't. So I was convinced Mike Riley was the answer at the head coach. You did? I really was. Man. And it goes back to I that. mean, I, I have some idiotic takes too, but. Well, I don't sure I said Riley. it on the air, but I probably did. <laughs> <laughs> Going back though, and away from Solich, and changing their mm-hmm. identity. Can they get back to option football? In today's environment, the likelihood of it working at the highest levels is no. incredibly rare. Yeah, I mean that's what spread offenses are. I mean, they're mm-hmm. a lot of them are working out of a shotgun. They're the mm-hmm. same, a lot of the same tendencies and thoughts that you do when you're talking about that. But how do you get that Nebraska identity back, Trent? I, I don't think you do. You know what? They, they, uh, honestly, Nebraska should strive to be like Iowa, get mm-hmm. to the Big Ten championship. Every handful of years. Wisconsin. Wisconsin, right. That's a likely goal. Yes. You're not winning national titles anymore. That that can't be the goal to win it. Well, obviously it's the goal, but realistically, Mm -hmm. it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. In a new environment with a new playoff, with an expanded 12-team playoff. Now there's an opportunity every few years. Get in every, realistically, every four Mm -hmm. years, you got a team that can get into the playoff and maybe win a game. You're not going to the championship. No. You're not winning a national championship no. again in your life. It's not happening. I don't think it is either. College football has changed too with, much. Without a doubt. And this is even before the 12-team playoff. Yes. I've said this with the 14-team playoff. you got to beat whoever comes out of the East. Mm-hmm. Then you have to win a semifinal game. Mm-hmm. Then a championship mm-hmm. game. The likelihood of that happening, really for anybody in the Big Ten West, is incredibly, it's, incredibly low. It, there's no question about it. There's no question about it. There was a better opportunity in the BCS era mm-hmm. to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Even then, highly unlikely. You know, look at Iowa in 2010, or 2009, excuse me. You know, if they wouldn't have had the Stanzi injury, would right. have found a way. Yep. Even then, they wouldn't have got into the national championship game. That's crazy. Because Texas went undefeated mm-hmm. and Alabama was undefeated. They, they would, would have been, got to the Rose Bowl, though. They right? would have got to the Rose Bowl. Right. But even at what would have been 12-0, and 0, mm-hmm. they would have been out of the championship in that era. You get a chance in the new era, but the path to get there for anybody, mm. short of the elite of the elite. Does that change with the 12-game playoff? Uh, Every few years, we get a team, some new, we'll call it new blood, Mm -hmm. that'll probably get pounded, but will, you know, uh, as as an underdog, find a way to be one of the last two standings and go up against Ohio State or Alabama Mm -hmm. or Clemson um, and and fall. You get that North Carolina. Yeah, I mean, North Carolina... And they get to a semifinal, and they pulled an upset Mm -hmm. in the quarters, and and there they are. Mm -hmm. You get Wisconsin in there once a decade. Mm -hmm. You know, those kind of things, those kind of stories, just to get to a semifinal. And for programs like that, it's almost as good as winning a national championship. I mean, that's a feather in their cap, because that that, that is, without a doubt, a successful year. All right, we will uh, hear from Matt Campbell coming up at 1035, won't we? 
He's talking right now to the assembled uh, ESPN media that we talked and about. And he's supposed to leave that group mm-hmm. and walk to the podium yep. in 10 minutes. All right. Well, so he... let's go to break in plenty of time in mm-hmm. case he decides to sneak in a little early and the Big 12 decides to go a little bit earlier so they can um, use that time, put that time in the bank in case they're running behind later. Right now, time for you to go for the green on KXNO. You can win $1,000 right now by texting the keyword FUN to 200-200. That's FUN to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. FUN to 200 200- 200. It's 1025. We'll take a time out, come back, set it up, and then throw it to Dallas and Matt Campbell scheduled to uh, meet the assembled media. Uh, have you seen any crowd shots, by the way, as far as media? Does it look like it's well attended? Uh, the ESPN set is a little bit kind of blocked. They kind of have, you can see towards the stage, mm-hmm. but you can't kind of see the media sitting there. So, so. did, uh, when you had, uh, of course, there was no. Um, no, it looks, uh, I got a shot here. Yeah, it looks. Pretty full. Good. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, we'll come back. Matt Campbell, if, you, uh, if you're if you an Iowa State fan, uh, you want to hear your coach, he will be uh, addressing Big 12 Media Days when we come back. Miller and Condon, Cappy at 11.05, sponsored by Centurion Stone of Iowa, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 107.4 for Life. Back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Welcome back. 1460KX and 106.3 FM. Those are Des Moines Sports Stations. Uh, we take you here until noon. David Kaplan coming up at 11.05. Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors Cappy. Look forward to speaking with him. And then Matt Rudy uh, from Golf Digest. He will help us out with a preview of the British Open. You got your bets in yet? Yes. So do I. How, much, I, how many players did you back? I went a little aggressive again. It's easy to do. I did the same thing. I probably got five or six. I went down a wormhole, and then and it's not just betting guys to win. It's top tens mm-hmm. and top twenties and top forties and on and on. And then I started to get into the props and the matchups, <laughs> and it just didn't end. And all of a sudden, and even if I hit, you know, mid range, I got Matthew Fitzpatrick like forty to one. Yeah, you'll break even, <laughs> right, right? Because I have so many other stupid. And if I don't hit any of the other ones. Uh-huh. The one, though, that I found, I think, maybe most intriguing of the props, total golfers under par. Total golfers under par mm-hmm. at Royal St. George. Mm-hmm. 14 and a half is the number. And I thought right away, oh, i got to be over. These courses, though, kind of play tricks on my mind because outside of the old course, they all kind of feel the same. Yeah, they kind of do links courses. Yeah. Right? yeah. And so I looked back and I went back to, I think it was the 2011 when it was at Royal St. George. Did you look at the weather in 2011 at the tournament? Yes. Oh boy. Yes. And, and the forecast for this next four days? Yes. Good. Darren Clark won it at 500. The other thing, a lot, at least in my mind, of these are par 71s. This is a par 70. So that also makes a difference. So it was 14 and a half. I was initially going to go over. Oh, there'll be more than 14 and a half. But after looking at everything, I'm back on the underside. So a little research. Yes, it can help. Or you do no research and become a winner like I did last night. <laughs> nice. Uh, we'll get into that in a second. I hope you're 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 doing most of your homework on the Bet Rivers contest that you're trying to catch Justin Smool, who now has yes. a $10 lead on you. So pressure's on. I told you yesterday, 
I was going to be aggressive here in game four. Mm-hmm. As aggressive as I have been in this contest, I'll give you my pick later today. I don't want Smol to have any extra time to figure out how he's going to try to Because he doesn't like, him. he won't post his picks. No, 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 of course not. Must be nice. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do, Smol. You're supposed to actually, you know, post what you have so we know. Uh, right. I got in a little trouble for that, too. <laughs> But you posted yours. I did. You talked well, about wonderful. yours. Well, that's true. He, yeah, that's true. I have a little difference there. Uh, yeah. Real quick, we're waiting on Matt Campbell. They're yes. in break right now. We should, we're, you're not going to miss anything. Um, Richard Sherman, uh, this, this, could, this is the makings of a really bad story, arrested on domestic violence in Seattle, mm-hmm. uh, booked at 6 o'clock this morning, local time in Seattle, for burglar, burglary domestic violence, which sounds to me... Is uh, not only was it domestic violence he broke in, and and the, he was denied bail. So, uh, does that mean? Look, I get it. You're innocent to proven guilty, but when you're denied bail, mm-hmm. must be a reason for you to. Uh, for the judge to deny bail at that point. Are we close to Campbell? What are you seeing? Yeah, they're back from break right now. They're still talking uh, at the studio part of it. So going to guess that he's making his way up there, and they'll be cutting to Matt Campbell here in a moment. In fact, if I kind of see behind, I think I see him sitting at the desk right now. Hopefully this coverage, though, will actually cut to him instead of Dusty Dvorak talking about him, what he's saying. I'm guessing they will. Chris Williams is there. He will join you today a couple of times. Yep, going to have Chris on a couple of times. He's also hoping to get Matt Campbell, kind of an exclusive conversation with him, along with Greg Iceworth, the defensive uh, guy there. And Bray Salt, did you realize that the Elite 11 camps happening right now are one of the many, and Brock Purdy is one of the quarterbacks that are there? Oh, is that right? Maybe made this decision a little bit easier instead Mm -hmm. of Purdy. To go with Brees Hall, Chris mentioned that to me on Monday, and makes sense, right? Yeah, but you know what, Brees Hall's got uh, Brees Hall is, is going to the NFL after this year. Mm-hmm. This is his last chance. This is Eisworth's last chance. We think Purdy, if um, you know, he's got another chance to come back, and if he does, uh, you would anticipate that he will be one of the participates uh, participants uh, a year from now. So as soon as we hear anything, uh, we'll get. The he's talking up there right now. Yet they're still with the studio guys. I wonder if we're not going to get the actual press conference here, if that's not going to happen. Because as, as I'm looking at them right now, it's not looking good. Hmm. I see Campbell back there talking, back over their shoulder, mm-hmm. yet we still got the two guys from ESPNU that are... Well, if they're going to advertise conversing. that they're going to cover Big, Te- Big 12 media days, I mean, what would you rather hear? Would you rather hear from the coach or rather hear from two talking heads? I would think the coach, right? That would certainly who I would be hoping for, and... We'll keep an eye on it, though. We'll see if they cut up there. But, yeah, right now he is, he's talking, yet the talking heads are the ones talking in front on ESPNU. Well, if um, somebody out there knows of another avenue to do this, well, if, if you know of another avenue, you're probably watching that, not right. listening to us. Yeah. Uh, well, we, we had a plan, and we thought we were going to be able to pull it off, but by starting to look like um, that is not going to happen. So we'll move on. Um We've got a game for tonight, and I know that you're going to let us know what mm-hmm. you're going to do later on as far as how you're going to play this in this contest. Well, let's go back before that. You mentioned something about another contest that you were part of that you had a hit yesterday. Yes. So tell me about that. So Bet Rivers also has a, during the afternoon show, during the Fanatics, mm-hmm. they have something there. Oh, I've got it here. Got the feed. Matt Campbell. We'll quickly, we'll get back into that. Here's Matt Campbell from, uh, well, just a little bit ago. In fact, we're going to see if we can reverse this, see if I can bring it back just a little bit and get it from the beginning because I have found there are two feeds. 
They have the ESPNU feed that has the talking heads, and then they have the feed that has Matt Campbell. So I'm uh, going to fast forward here. I rewound it too far, of course. It never can be easy, right? Bob Bowlesby, he is up there uh, talking right now in the feed that I have. But yeah, we're going to have Matt Campbell here in just a moment. Why don't we take a break? We'll come back with Matt Campbell on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Offer today. All right, let's get to Dallas. Here's uh, Iowa State head coach Matt Campbell. Yeah, let me first and foremost just say um, very thankful and grateful to, to be here. Obviously represent um, Iowa State University, our athletic department, and certainly our football program. Um, I do think before getting going, you know, it would be, uh, wouldn't be right for me to, to not say a sincere thank you to the leadership that we have gotten from the Big 12 over the last, really over the last two years. You know, from what Bob Bowlesby and Ed Stewart have done from a leadership perspective, um, the challenge of last fall to the ever-changing landscape in college athletics, uh, their communication, their leadership has been second to none. So certainly extremely grateful. Um, From my end, brought two of our players here with me today to represent Iowa State football. Um, On the offensive side, Brees Hall. Um, Brees is a junior tailback who has continued to do tremendous things for our football program. I think as a coach, you're always grateful when one of your best players is a young man that's growing in every aspect of his life. Who he is, what he stands for, and how he leads on and off our football field. I'm really proud of what he's accomplished in his continued growth. Um, And then secondly, on the defensive side is Greg Eisworth. Um, Greg from the state of Texas. Greg is uh, going in to be a four-year starter at the safety position, three-time all-conference player. Most importantly, Greg will graduate with his graduate degree um, early this fall. Greg is one of those young men for us that has been what I would call a transformational leader. Iowa State football wouldn't be where it is without Greg's leadership. Um, he's been a transformer and really proud of everything that he stands for on and off the field. And so, you know, really from, from my standpoint, over since the month of January, we've had 118 players in our program going through the offseason program, um, really been led every step of the way by our 25 seniors. Our seniors have done a great job. I talk a lot about player-driven leadership. Their leadership on and off the field to demand the standard day in and day out has been exceptional. And so there's a great pride that I take in this year's football team, especially our leadership from the top. Um, and you know, with that said, uh, I know we are getting ready to, to finish the summer season, get into fall camp, and certainly excited about that. So any questions you might have, I'll certainly open up to you guys. We got a question on the aisle on the left side, and then we take one right behind you. Wendell Barthouse, the press press break. Um, Matt, how confident are you that the players are going to kind of build off last season and kind of embrace what you all did, but not buy into the hype that, hey, you guys are contenders and not just the scrappy little underdogs anymore? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I think that confidence is gained and earned through the offseason, right? And that confidence is gained and earned through the summer and through fall camp. And, you know, the, that's that's really what football is, right? And um, I think sometimes we, we get lost in terms of college football. You're dealing with 18 to 22-year-olds. And you still have to be great teachers from a leadership perspective on my standpoint. Um, and what I've always said about our program is we're certainly outcome aware, but that's never what we've talked about in our program. What we've talked about is how do you put your ego aside? 
how do we how do we understand process and how do we understand our purpose and if we can define those two things and then work to get better in those areas then we're going to give ourselves an earned opportunity to have confidence going into the fall and so you know i still think we're in the process of earning the confidence uh to be ready for the fall season right now question on the aisle left side hey matt brian davis austin american statesman i, I think a lot of people who are around the country or not Iowa State fans are probably surprised you're still here in Ames, right? So I guess that's my question is, why are you still in Ames? <laughs> what does it mean to you to still be there and, and what you're still building? Yeah, you know, for me, I think very simply put, you know, I didn't get in this profession um, to be somebody. I can't got in this profession to do something. And, you know, for me, I've always said, and I tell this to our, I think our society, you're either trying to be somebody else or you're trying to do something. And I think from my end, you know, what I love about football is to teach. What I love about football is to coach. And, you know, what I love about, you know, creating a culture where young people feel confident and safe to show up every day and work to become the best version of themselves, where coaches get to show up every day and work to become the best version of themselves. That's what I love. And I think we've worked really hard to create a culture that allows that growth to happen within our walls. And really, that's, that's what I love about the sport. And that's really what I, what I love about what I get to do day in and day out. We got a question about a third of the way back on the right side. Hey, Matt, Jenny Carlson with the Oklahoman. Uh, Brock not here today, neither is Spencer Rattler, two really young, young, good young quarterbacks in the league in the country. I was wondering if you could just talk about Brock, his progression, and then you saw Spencer twice last year as well. If you could talk about what you saw to him in terms of his evolution. Yeah, you know, Brock not here, going to the Manning camp actually tomorrow. So, you know, I think a lot of that had to do with, with you know, his obligations of where he's got to be and, and certainly opportunities that he has. And, you know, but, but when you talk about Brock Purdy, I think you, you talk about where our program has come and the growth we've been able to make it's literally been on the coattails of Brock Purdy. And we wouldn't be where we're at today without his consistency and his leadership, um, without his demand to be the best in everything he does. I, I think what I love about Brock more than anything is he's never been satisfied and he's an elite competitor. And, you know, I, I think what I loved about his growth a, a year ago, I think any time that you care so much, and I think myself, our coaches, the players that have invested greatly, sometimes you care so much that sometimes you, you, you're almost paralyzed because you don't want to screw it up. You don't want to make a mistake. And what I saw last year is as we got to November, December, and finishing the season, I saw that Brock Purdy as a freshman that played, man, with so much confidence and so much carefree uh, mentality that it was such a joy for me as a coach to see that come back and him enjoy playing quarterback at Iowa State again. And, um, you know, I, I'm just so proud of who he is and what he's become. And I, I really think he's got a chance to, to really put a great finishing touch on what's been an incredible journey for him um, as we get into this season. And, you know, you talk about Spencer. I, I think the only thing you can say is the utmost respect. I think you see almost some, some great similarities across the way. You know, what, watching him grow throughout last football season, you know, and, and probably nobody had a greater advantage of that in the Big 12 than, than myself. You know, you saw him 
early in a conference game, um, kind of working through it. And obviously, we know what kind of you know coach in coaching that he's getting there. It's exceptional and maybe as good as any quarterback coaching as you're going to find. And and you saw him just gain confidence as the season went. And I think you saw that team rally around his leadership and his confidence. And so. Um, the utmost respect for Spencer, I think you, you, elite athleticism, elite arm strength, um, and you really see a, a young man that at the end of the season had tremendous confidence in the offense. Question on the outside right. Uh, Cole Thompson, LonghornsCountry.com. Just want to get your thoughts on Brees, what he was able to do last year. Big breakout year leading the FBS in rushing yards. But at the same time, you saw B. John Robinson from Texas really kind of step up towards the end of the season. Do you believe both these running backs could be in the fight for the Doak Walker All-American Heisman race? Yeah, you know, let me answer Brees first. You know, I think the Brees is is one of those young men in terms of our program that you got to remember was just a sophomore. And obviously those that, that rushing stuff is all great, but that always happens because there's offensive linemen and tight ends that do a great job too. And that's certainly not taking anything away from Brees because Brees has been exceptional. Um, I think Brees is an incredible athlete. I've always said when your best talent and your best players have elite work ethic, you give your team a chance to be successful. And Brees has done that for us. You know, uh, when you talk about awards and you talk about some of those things for running backs or any players, I think those are probably great conversations for everybody else because, you know, I think all we're trying to do is, man, how do you get these guys to reach their full potential and become the best version of themselves they can be? And certainly Brees has done that for us. Now we'll take the outside right. Yeah, Matt, Barry Trammell with the Oklahoman. Um, we, last two or three years, we've asked you questions like, how close are you guys to getting over the top? Did you answer that question last year, even though you didn't win on this field, but you went to the wire with Oklahoma, you beat them in Ames. Is it just a matter of doing it now that you've reached the level that you can win a Big 12 championship? Well, I, I think, again, where, when you say part of your program is being outcome aware, right, is, you know, part of being outcome aware is, man, you, you, you work so hard to become the best and, and you want to strain to be the best. And, you know, I, I think what we, what we understand is, you know, there's a unique way we have to do that names, Iowa, and that's a little bit different. We've got we to work week in and week out to be the best team we can be. And, you know, I think as we've continued to grow and recruit, you know, our, our, our team approach to how we have to play the game offensively and defensively and certainly in special teams, I think, has grown with us. So, um, you know, I think what we've done is we've certainly understand that there's a there's a pathway to become the best. Um, but right now, you know, you're, you're talking about an Oklahoma team and certainly some teams in this conference that have tremendous football teams and tremendous players um, and, and an Oklahoma team that certainly had a tremendous amount of success. So uh, I think what we're learning is how we have to do it. And that part's been a real fun journey for us. Right here on the second row, stand up, please. Thank you. James Segman to the White Wright Sun. Coach, the Big 12 is unique in that you're guaranteed if you make it to the championship game, you're going to repeat against the opponent you've already played. Is there something that is, what goes into preparing for facing a team that, like in your case, you guys are, you beat in Oklahoma and you have to play them a second time, that you have to approach the game and play a team, beat them just to get a chance to go on and play in the bowl? Yeah, you know, I, I certainly think it's unique, I guess, in that regard. But I, I think if we would go back to, 
you know, I played Division Three football, and, and that happened a lot in the tournament setting in Division Three athletics. Um, I think when you talk about high school athletics, you, you certainly have that same challenge usually um, as you're preparing to make a, a run for a championship. So I don't think it's unique to our sport, I guess is what I would say. And um, I, I, it's always challenging to play, a, especially what will be a really good team twice. And yet, uh, you know, it's part of the game and something that I think you're always trying to trying to find that balance of how much do you change it up to, you know, how much do you still want to be do what you do best. So uh, unique challenge, obviously, in the Big 12, but it's certainly not unique to football. Got a fourth row just inside the line. Matt Ivan Mazel with on3.com. You mentioned 25 seniors. How many of those guys are back because they got a free year? And how big can you explain? I mean, we all know seniors are more important, but just the, that amount, what it means to the team. Yeah, you know, we're we're fortunate. I you know, we've got we've got eight of those seniors for us that are that are coming back with that COVID rule. Um, you know, and, and to me, I, I felt like every young man that I met with at the end of the season was, you know, everybody is in a different place. And, you know, for those seniors, it was certainly a chaotic start to the season for a lot of guys. I thought it, it kind of gave us some normalcy as we got into the season. But at the end of the year, you know, it, it, I think it, the conversation, two regards, number one, um, you know, professionally from an athletic standpoint, was it in their best interest to leave? And number two, professionally from an academic standpoint, you got to remember some of these guys have tremendous degrees and they were ready to move on with life. A couple of our guys got married, a couple of our guys got, got great job opportunities and were ready to seize those opportunities. And yet what I think I'm probably most proud of is the young men that decided to come back very much in the same, same area. They felt like there was a gap, there was somewhere that they could really improve and take advantage of this. And I think my ask as the coaches, don't come back just to come back. Come back because you have something to prove. There's an area you can grow and get better. And I guess what I would tell you is, you know, we're in July now and probably the, the most pride I take is the eight young men that have decided that decision to come back maybe have made as much growth or more growth than any of the guys in our program. And that part's really exciting for me. Question on the left side, about halfway back. Coach John High from Fox 7 Austin. You guys are picked to finish second this season. Why do you believe you have one of the, the top teams in this league? Well, I, I would just say this, like from our standpoint, and I know I answered that question earlier, you know, preseason polls and stuff right now really don't mean a whole lot. And, you know, I think what we know, what we have is we have a veteran football team. There's a lot of guys that have had experience and yet they have to earn the right to have confidence to be a good football team. And part of that process to earn the right to be a, to a good football team is still in the works right now. It's, it's how you show up in, in, in really January and February and March. It's the effort and the commitment that you were willing to make to your mind, your body and your craft in times when nobody was looking. Um, and we're still there, you know, we're still in July and getting ready to go into August where, you know, it's all kind of setting the standards and the foundation, the principles. So you have that confidence to be a good football team when the fall comes your way and those moments come your way. And so, you know, I think that's where we're at. And, you know, what we've really strained on is how do we improve? How do we take the lessons we've learned from a year ago and the last couple years in our program 
how do we take them how do we put our ego aside and how do we demand to get better one day at a time and uh, again it, when you have an older group um, that group sometimes can can really do a great job of leading the way and our group has done that so far on the aisle through Roseback coach Pete Mundo Heartland College Sports uh, just curious you know for all these success uh, some would say early in the season there have been some struggles. Louisiana, Northern Iowa, Iowa has been a thorn in your side. With aspirations beyond the Big 12, can you identify why you've had some early season struggles and how you avoid them this year? Yeah, really good, good question, Pete. You know, I, I think you could probably go a bunch of different directions, but at the end of the day, the <clears throat> facts are the facts, right? And so, you know, it's been an area for us where I think we've kind of tried to, to look at that from a holistic approach and saying, man, where, where do we have to get better? You know, I, I would say if we were here two years ago or last year coming into this conversation, I would equate, man, we struggled a little bit at the end of the season too, kind of, you know, a year ago. Um, and so what, what I think we've really looked at is, man, you get 12 guaranteed opportunities in college football. How, from the head coach's perspective, do you put a calendar together and how do you put a process together that allows your football team to be their best in those 12 guaranteed opportunities, right? And you can't control everything else, but man, you can control the preparation to get to those 12 guaranteed opportunities to be the best you can be. And so, you know, I, I think I would put any issue that we've had on my shoulders because it's probably been a, a failure of mine that we just haven't been able to get off to a good start at times throughout uh, our tenure here. But I think it's certainly something we've looked at holistically, and it's always, man, how do we give our kids the best opportunity to be the best version of themselves they can be? And um, certainly have worked to address that and probably learned a lot even through last football season, to be honest with you, on what that preparation should look like. Question on the left side, three road back. Hey, Matt, Cedric Golden, Austin American Statesman. Um, you guys successfully navigated uh, your schedule last year as COVID is concerned. Uh, what were the biggest challenges? And also, with this new variant out there, um, how does that uh, change your approach for this upcoming season? Well, I, I, I would first and foremost say, you know, the challenge that you have is when you're dealing with a population of people, right? And you'd say, man, 130 players, um, and then you throw in probably 100 support staff people in terms of athletic training, academics, all the things that are involved with a, with a Division One football team is it's getting everybody going in the same direction with the same common goal at the same time. And I still think the greatest challenge that you dealt with is what was the challenge in your locker room? And, you know, were you willing to commit to the standards, not just during the three hours that you were involved with football, but those other 21 hours you were away from the facility? And I think the th greatest thing that we learned and I've always believed is when you have player-driven leadership, when the players in the locker room say this is the standard, this is how we're doing things and this is the expectation, then you can get through anything. And fortunately for us, you know, a year ago, we had tremendous senior leadership. That All right, that was uh, head coach Matt Campbell uh, from Big 12 Media Days. That'll do it for hour number one. David Kaplan kicks off the second hour of the program. We take you until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO 1019.